0: Good evening and welcome to the EFL preview with me, Adam Davis, here on Three Valleys Radio. A slightly reduced show today simply because the Championship has decided to disappear on international break as well as most of League One. That does mean, though, we have still got plenty of action to take a look at across most of League One and all of League Two, as well as taking a look at the fixtures that took place midweek in everyone's favourite competition, that's right, the Papa John's Trophy. As always, you can expect the same level of insight analysis and interviews that you come to expect every single week from this show. But we will start off with the games that already have taken place this week, all of them taking place on Tuesday night, all of them through to the knockout stages of the Papa John's Trophy. We'll just fire through some of them quickly with some of the more notable results, of which there were plenty of goals taking place all on Tuesday night. We'll start with one of the big ones with Blackpool five, Liverpool under twenty ones two. Paul Glatzel opened the scoring for Liverpool with a lovely time shot in the thirtieth minute, but was cancelled out by Adam uh, Albie Morgan on the uh, on the stroke of half time for Blackpool. But then it was really Blackpool have one guy to thank for their turnaround, and that was Killian Kuwazi, who actually got a cat trick in the second half, as well as a fifth goal from Andy Lyons, which was the only a slight consolation taken for Liverpool by Mateash Mulizikowski. Overall, very good, impressive performance from the Tangerines. Uh, Carlisle United nil, Nottingham Forest under 21s. Two, Nottingham very much just a little bit too strong for a heavily rotated Carlisle side. Excuse me. Josh Powell and uh, Ben Perry getting the goals for Nottingham Forest. Charlton Athletic 4, Aston Villa, under-21s, 2. Well, really, it was Charlton's game right from minute 4, as they went up to 4-0 in the first half. Charlie Kirk getting the first goal in the fourth minute, Miles Lieburn in the 29th, Lewis Watson in the 39th, and then Miles Lieburn again on the stroke of half-time in the 45 plus 2. Aston Villa immediately said that their second half would be theirs, as they were, had a penalty missed by Tommy O'Reilly in the 50th minute, but Killian Moore getting one in the 73rd minute and Toby Allcock or Todd Allcock, sorry, getting a second in the 81st minute. Overall, too much for the young Aston Villa side, and Charlton progressed to the next round. Lincoln City 2, Wolves under 21s, nil. Habdin Abdoulakoun getting the first goal in the 19th minute for Lincoln, a fairly strong side taking on Wolves. And Jovan Makama getting one out in the 93rd minute to take the Imps through. One of the few uh, few matches taking place today, on Tuesday that didn't involve one of the Premier League under-21 sides. Mansfield Town 3, Doncaster Rovers 2. Mansfield continued to ever be unbeaten, with James Gale getting two goals and spoke of three minutes, to take Mansfield up to 2-0 after only 13 minutes. Ben Close pulling one back before half-time to make it 2-1. And it was all square on the 64th minute when Joe Ironside scored for Doncaster. But in the 88th minute, Callum Johnson getting the third for Mansfield as their unbeaten run continues. Morecambe 3, Barrow 1. Morecambe have very much Charlie Brown to thank as they took a decent lead, a 1-0 away at home to Barrow, a relatively local affair between the two clubs in the grand scheme of things. Uh, Cameron Rooney getting the second eighteen-year-old Cameron Rooney, that is, fifty-eighth minute for Morecambe, and a third by Callum Smith in the seventy-third minutes. but former Glover Ben Whitfield getting the one goal for Barrow on the sixty-eighth minute. On to what ended up being a rather weird derby. Now, Knott's County one, Derby County two. For some reason, on social media, most both fans of Knott's County and Derby decided they had a problem with each other. I think it might be the fact that both of them have a major rivalry with Nottingham Forest and felt they needed to complete the triangle. That being said, Luke, uh, Louis Sibley getting a fantastic opening goal for Derby on the 20th minute and getting a second in the 57th. And Overall, Derby looked largely controlled throughout most of the match despite of course, the impressive form that we've seen from Nottingham so far this season, but the league difference did tell. Junior Marias did get a goal in the 78th minute from the penalty to take them through. But to have a little bit more detail on what happened this week, let's not just talk to me. Let's listen to Derby County boss and friend of Three Valleys, Paul Warren. Well, Paul, 2-1 win against Notts County in the FL
1: Trophy. What are your immediate thoughts after
2: that? Yeah, pretty pleased. Uh always want more. I just think we, our play at times was excellent. We just should have been 4-5. And while you're not and you give the oppo- you know give the uh, opposition opportunity to come back in it, it's always a bit more nervy than the last ten minutes, more than it should have been. I wanted to put the young lads on and uh, I intended to if we got three ahead and uh, our play definitely deserved that. So, unfortunately, we didn't and it made it a little bit nervier than we wanted, but a really good game for the lads, a really competitive game. Uh, we tried to go after them as well as we could and, yeah, really pleased.
1: What pleased you the most? Was it the amount of chances that you created out there
2: tonight? Well, we had to be brave. Obviously, um, they play goalkeeper to centre-half. Most people just leave one up uh, all the games we've watched. We went two up and negated someone further back, but that was the risk we were prepared to take. But we also knew if we won the ball back, we'd have three one-on-ones. And if we played a good ball with pace down the side, we'd get in. And we got in numerous occasions first half. So uh, so that's what pleased me. The lads have to be brave. Um, other things didn't please me, but that, that, that did.
1: In terms of what didn't please you then, is it... What do you feel? Still needs thought, a little I bit more.
2: That, um, I just thought we're, we're that close to being quite good. So I just said to the lads in the dressing room there, last seven games I think we've drawn three, won four. I think we should win seven. Uh, and if we were absolutely on song, we would. And it was a perfect example tonight again where we create chances we don't take and we get in good positions we don't pick the right pass out. And it is the hardest thing in football to do, but it is an invasion game. You've got to get in their box as many times as you can. So I just think we let them off the hook. That was disappointing. And I also thought in tight areas, we let them out when we had them pinned. And if you've got to press and you've got to pin a team in a, in a corner, if they get out, there's so much running you've got to do. So a few times we're in this bottom corner, they got out, got down the other side. Yeah, I'm asking my team to run more than I want them to run when they haven't got the ball. Put it that way. So, I just don't think we were aggressive enough when we had him in a position to win the ball back. But apart from that, there were some really good performances. Uh, nice to see Josh play. I think he deserved a clean sheet, so I'm not best pleased about that. But um, and yeah, I thought there was some uh, yeah some good performances that I asked him to you know leave us because I'll give him a few days off to I go away and think about who done well and who I'll consider for the next game. A
1: couple of goals for Louis Sibley as well tonight. That's three for him in this competition.
2: Yeah, um, uh, pleased for Sibs, obviously you get a couple of goals, um, you hit the bar early. I mean they all could have scored loads of goals but it's good, Sibs' finish was good and the second one obviously took uh, the, the pressure off if there is such a thing but um, allowed us to play a little bit but uh, yeah, pleased for Sibs because obviously he didn't, he didn't come on at the weekend so um, this suited him this game I thought and it, it did. Uh, he played on the opposite side as well which caused problems so... It suited on what we worked on, and um, yeah, pleased for Sibs. Um, you know, obviously people aren't happy when they're not in the team, so you give them an opportunity, and it's their, you know, their chance to shine. So there's some good things you've done tonight, and yeah, you can be pleased.
1: So in between the international breaks, you're, you're seven unbeaten. You feel like you're starting to get a little bit of momentum. Or is it, I know clearly you yeah. always want more, but yeah, it's yeah, encouraging yeah. you've come through this patch unbeaten.
2: Yeah, yeah. Internally, we're 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 pretty pleased. We're just disappointed that we haven't won the games and. Every game we've been in, I don't think we've ever been outclassed, and that I don't know if that's more or less frustrating, but we haven't been outclassed, and we should have won virtually every game we came in. We should have, you know... Obviously, I don't know if you know, but we should have scored chances at Cheltenham. We, we should have, you know, should have seen out the Portsmouth game. There's just ifs and buts, but you can't moan about the end of the season. I just said to the lads in there then, we'll have a little break here and come back. We just need to push standards up a little bit, and you're not far off, being ace, like you know, being undefeated in seven, whatever the tournament, whatever the tournaments are, whatever the games are, it's hard to beat anyone at any game of football. So I'm really pleased, yet frustrated because I think we should have more wins. I think we should have more points. I think we should be comfortably in the playoff area, but we're not. But we don't internally embust. You know, it was like, oh, you know, just you know, just trying to improve them in, in, incrementally, really, and just trying to give them confidence to play and. And at times tonight we played with real confidence and, you know, and unfortunately if you do play like that and you make a mistake, you can get punished. But generally, uh, yeah, really pleased. So
1: the players have got a couple of days off now and then it's full steam ahead after the international break again. You've got a lot of games in a short period of time so you must be pleased that you've got players coming back as well. You're going to have some decisions to make from a squad perspective moving forward in a key time of the season.
2: Yeah, I mean, Waggy um, a little bit sore so... He's having a few down days. Nels is a bit sore, got a little problem with his quad. Not Before everyone has a computer meltdown, he's not out for any period of time. He'll be back training Monday. Uh, Wardy should be back in. Callum's really close to being back in. Uh, JJ's close to being back in. So all of a sudden then, you know, with a Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, I've, I've said it for many times, you shouldn't really stay the same team. Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, you want to rotate and obviously with... Uh, Nats on international duty, as is um, Connor. So we're a bit short tonight, but by the time we come back for the next league game, we should have a plethora of amazing players to pick from. One of my favourite words. Um, and, uh, yeah, pick a really strong team because we're going to need it because the Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, um, you know, takes its toll on every squad.
0: And if you liked what you heard from Paul Warne, make sure to go to threevalleysradio.com to click on the podcast and listen to the most recent episode of F- Football Bloody Hell. Back to the Papa John's Trophy then, and an Im- really impressive result for Reading. Of course, plenty of uh, discussion going off the field with Reading, subject to potential takeover bids from known charlatans and other different people across football. Um, but we'll see how that goes on the field. Let's just say it's been rather mixed. Some performances from that Reading side under Ruben Sellers have looked absolutely fantastic, and you'd forget that many of the problems have been taking place off the field. However, if you look largely... At the table, it's a rather disappointing result for Reading. When it came to the Papa John's trophy, however, Reading 5, Swindon Town nil. Yes, a very, very impressive performance from, uh, from Reading, of course, and they have really one main man to thank, and that is former Cambridge United man and recent signing Harvey Nibbs. He got a goal in the 19th minute, 45 plus 2, and then 49th minute to complete his hat-trick in what it was a day that was incredibly impressive for Reading. They got two more goals that compounded to make it look really rather impressive from their perspective in the 94th minute through Paul McCarew and Harley Dean in the 96th minute. Enough from me, though. We'll listen to Reading boss Ruben Sellers. Well, Ruben,
3: congratulations through to the next stage of the EFL trophy with a really good win tonight. Must be pleased.
4: Uh, yeah, I think uh, the boys did a really good job, a really fantastic job uh, with a clear idea from the very beginning, trying to play together, trying to play a quick football, putting the opposition under pressure. And uh, yeah, we like the feeling of uh, the victory and uh, we can build from that.
3: Good atmosphere tonight as well, a bit of a local rivalry and that kind of adds a bit of extra spice. But the, yeah, the players really uh, enjoyed that, I think.
4: Absolutely, absolutely. It was uh, good to see... And the cup, the stadium, just cheering for us and supporting us with the rivalry also in the stands, uh, in a good way, so it was good to be part of it. Yeah, and obviously, as you said there, you
3: know, 5-0 win, it's a good reflection on how, how much we controlled the game as well, really.
4: Uh, yeah, I think we did a good game. Uh, we, we tried to, as you say, control the game in the way that we want to do it, and then the goals came, so I think that they, they did a good job and uh, we just need to use the game just to, to try to build momentum on that and then go next week and uh, use that uh, good feelings uh, for the next league game.
3: Yeah. And obviously, there's a lot of different moments, a lot of positives throughout the night. Great for Harvey Nibs because to, to get a hat-trick too. I think any, any sort of forward player, it's a, it's a nice little moment for him, a bit of a special one.
4: Yeah, I think uh, it's always good to get a goal, and then he got three today. Uh, so, hopefully, we can do it more often. So other players who got in the score sheet too. We got Paul and Harley, and then
3: Tom Norcott probably didn't expect to be in the squad tonight. Got his debut. Michael Stickland back from injury for the first time. There's a load, loads of positives tonight.
4: Yeah, we have always the young players in the radar, as uh, everybody knows. And uh, unfortunately, we have the uh, the injury from Kanai in the in the warm ups that, that pushed David into the lineup, and then that opened the door for Tom. That uh, he made his debut. He did it well. He's composed calm and uh, we do have him in consideration for the future and uh, michael has always been there unfortunately last year he missed a lot of time playing time because of the injuries but uh, step by step he's building his his way back he's doing a good job with noel and the, the 23s and yeah it was good to see him back on the pitch uh, for the first year
3: and you mentioned obviously after the last game, you know, winning games does kind of give everyone a lift. And I know that it's obviously not didn't go as we wanted last week, but but it's a, it's a great, it puts us in a nice position going into this little break now, doesn't it?
4: Yeah, absolutely. It's always good to win games. It doesn't matter what is the competition and uh, we're happy today and then we will try to continue with that feeling.
3: And then lastly, yeah, obviously we've got that break now. We've got, I suppose it's a bit disjointed because you've got so many players going away with their countries, but That combination, isn't it, between rest and work? I suppose.
4: Yeah, we are also satisfied because some of our players are going with the national team. Taylor is making his, uh, hopefully, making his debut with New Zealand. Uh, Nelson is with England under twenty. Domi is with under the under nineteen. Benelli just got called yesterday for Cameroon. So I think we have a very powerful group of young players, and uh, they are working well. And uh, hopefully, that work and that togetherness can. Transform into good results in the coming weeks.
0: An All League One affair for you, though. Stevenage nil, Wickham won. Sam Vogts getting the only goal of the game for Wickham in the 70th minute. Tranmere Rose nil, Leicester and 21s one. Again, another fairly muted uh, match between two sides. Silco Thomas getting the only goal in the 9th minute for the Young Foxes. Walsall won, Forest Green Rovers won, Forest Green winning 4-2 on penalties, a really rather impressive performance that was desperately needed for Forest Green. Tyrese Omatoy getting the first goal in the 51st minute. Walsall did uh, almost had an opportunity to come back to the game almost immediately, but had Ross Tierney's penalty missed in the 58th minute, but were eventually able to draw with Isaac Hutchinson in the 67th minute. So with the scores all tied, of course, this went straight to penalties in true Papa John's style. And it ended up being 4-2 because Walsall unfortunately missed their fourth and first penalties. Ryan Sturk and Danny Johnson missing theirs. But all four of the uh, penalties from Matt Stevens, Matty Taylor, Jamie Robson and Harvey Bunker all being scored by Forest Green to take them through to the next round and potentially turn around what has been a rather disappointing start to this season. Wigan Athletic 3, Fleetwood Town 3, one of the very incredibly entertaining games that we saw today, but Wigan Athletic winning 4-3 on penalties. Kuponga Tushiamanga getting two goals in very quick succession in the 43rd and the 45th plus three for Fleetwood Town to take them into uh, the f- uh, half-time in a commanding lead but Sean Humphries, Josh Stones and Tom Pearce all turning it around as far as the 87th minute he was convinced he had won it for Wigan Athletic but in the 93rd minute Josh Earl getting an equaliser that, of course, took it straight to penalties. We had to go as far as sudden death. Callum Lang and Tom Pearce missing their penalties for Wigan, and Danny Mayer and uh, Xavier Simmons both in theirs uh, for Fleetwood, before eventually uh, Charlie Hughes getting his uh, the, the, the resulting match winning penalty for Wigan, and unfortunately was met with a miss from Ryan Broom. Exeter City nil, Arsenal under twenty ones five. A very young side from both teams. One, of course, being extremely obvious in the form of Arsenal under twenty ones, but a very young Exeter City side as well. Not as young as the team that, of course, got thumped nine nil by Reading in the previous, um, in the group stages. It still featured some youngsters, such as Colin Richards. Uh, Sonny Cox and and Nathan Beardmore, for example. But there was still plenty of what you would consider a little bit more experience in that same. Sean uh, MacDonald, Jack Agenston, Alex Scott, Alex Hartridge. Still very young players, but teams of players that have had a lot of uh, first-team minutes for Exeter City over the last couple of years. But nevertheless, a still very dominant display from Arsenal. But that's really only talking about the second half. Charles Segoi Jr. getting the first goal of the five in the 61st minute, and then it really compounded from about 80 minutes onwards. Seb Ferdinand getting the uh, f- second and eventually the fifth goals for Arsenal in the 79th and 97th minute. Uh, Kayan Edwards getting the third on the 82nd, and then finally... Uh, Jack Henry Francis getting the fourth for Arsenal in the ninetieth minute. So really, it started off as a fairly even affair. Changes, um, plenty of youngsters coming on for Exeter, which you can't necessarily blame to be what eventually turned these things around. But it's quite obvious that Exeter weren't focusing on this competition this year, and and were really more focused on trying to give youth a chance, which is highly commendable from. Uh, Gary Caldwell, but eventually was a little bit too strong for the uh, Arsenal's uh, incredibly impressive youth academy against a slightly less experienced Exeter City one. Cheltenham Town nil, Newport County 2, unfortunately another game has gone past where Cheltenham Town have not scored any goals. But really, it was a rather impressive performance from, uh, from Newport. Nathan Daniel Wood getting the first goal in the 26th minute and Will Evans getting the one in the 53rd minute to make it 2-0 and a rather impressive performance for Newport. Crew alexander Nil, Wrexham-3, Jordan Tunnelcliffe getting um, Wrexham off to an incredibly decent start in the fifth minute, uh, assisted by Jordan Davis, who then got a goal himself in the 13th minute to take him 2 nil into half-time. Luke Offord getting a straight red in the 72nd for a disappointing tackle for Crew, and was immediately followed up by a Luke Young goal from a penalty in the 73rd for an overall rather impressive and rather straightforward match for Wrexham. Grimsby Town 1, Bradford City 2. The Kevin McDonald revolution at Bradford continues, despite having a player sent off, but this was very much at the end of the match. Kieran Kelly getting the first goal on the 16th minute, which was immediately cancelled up by Raquel Pike in the 18th for Grimsby. Emmanuel Ozadebi getting the second goal for Bradford in the 48th minute, and then decided to go from hero to very much slumping close to zero by getting a straight red in the 92nd minute. Salford City 1, Stockport County 3, a Greater Manchester derby now, with Marcus Dakers thinking that he'd started off in a very decent position for Salford, scoring in the third minute, but penalty by Paddy Madden in the 20th, made it one all going into half-time, and then everyone's favourite former Yeovil striker, let's be honest, maybe him or uh, Phil Jevons, you choose, um, Maddy Madden got a second and third goal to take it for a hat-trick, and overall a very impressive performance for Stockport. More on them later. And one of the other massive games that took place, which I don't think anyone was really expecting, Harrogate Town 3, Accrington-Stanley 5. Yes, Accrington do love getting, uh, scoring, <laughs> he's conceding loads of goals in the Cup competitions. Well, a really rather entertaining match for those that were there at Weatherby Road on Tuesday night. Lewis Trickett getting a first goal for Accrington and a second very quickly followed by Karedi Adoyen to make it 2-0 after 30 minutes. Sam Follering getting one for Harrogate back on the thirty. 5th, before a day in got one again in the 37th. He then completed his hat-trick in the 51st minute, just after half-time, to make it 4-1. Joe Mattock getting a second back for Harrogate in the 58th minute. Sam Follerin looking like he was trying to give Harrogate a bit of a lifeline in the 76th minute to make it 4-3, but Lewis Trickett getting a second right at the end of the 89th minute to take it out of Wrexham's, out of Wrexham's, out of Harrogate's hands. One that was also very much out of people's hands. Portsmouth 5, Gillingham 1. The lead gap between a very decent Gillingham side and a very impressive Portsmouth side continued. Faustino Angerine getting a first goal for Portsmouth out on, I believe, his first goal for Pompey in the 11th minute. Jordan, Will- uh, Jonathan Williams, sorry, getting one in the 45th minute to make it 1-all for Gillingham. But the second half, Portsmouth's bench was most certainly stronger. Ben Stevenson getting one on the 50th minute, making it 2-1. Caden Yenge in the 54th. Abu Kamara in the 72nd, which I really would recommend checking that out on social media if you see that. Very, very nice finish. And Ryan Towler getting the 5th on the 80th minute for a very impressive performance for the still unbeaten Pompey side. Sutton United nil. Crawley nil. Very, very boring match. But Sutton United winning 5-4 on penalties. And the final match tonight. Port Vale won. Newcastle under-21s. One of my favourite uh, non- non-league uh, centre-backs over the last couple of years, Jesse Debra, who had done very well for Halifax Town over the last couple of years, has actually moved up into the EFL now. And he's moved for Port Vale. The reason I bring him up, he was the one that got the Port Vale goal in the 17th minute to make it 1-0. And it looked like Port Vale would coast for large parts of it, right up until the 90th minute, when Ellis Stanton, the 18-year-old from Newcastle, get making it 1-0. Of course, that took it to penalties and a rather disappointing penalty shootout, I may I say, from both teams. As it eventually ended up 3-2, but five penalties were taken on both. Uh, two from uh, Newcastle and then uh, Max Clark getting the all-important penalty for Port Vale to take them through to the next round. And for someone that I don't think we've heard too much of on the EFL review so far this season, so let's listen to Port Vale boss Andy Crosby. Andy qualified and through to the next round, but a penalty shootout that I don't
5: think many people maybe saw coming at the end.
6: Um, Yeah, lots of really good things with the ball and we're improving in possession from the build-up phase, going through the mid-third of the pitch, continue to try to develop to create better chances, and we'll, we'll keep plugging away, and we'll keep working, and we'll keep showing the players and we'll find different ways to do that. But immensely proud of, of the whole club tonight because you, you finish off that game um, with five academy players, I think four first years and, and one second year on, on the pitch. Um, the has already come off, so it's, it's great for the football club that we're managing to, to blood the young players in this competition, give them valuable experience. Football is like life, unfortunately, it, it, it kicks you sometimes, so Jack and Reese will learn from that penalty experience as well. Um, But yeah, immensely proud of of everyone out on the pitch tonight. And I think when you've got senior players like we have with Jason Luteweiler, Jason Lowe, Ben Garrett on the pitch, Gavin Massey, it's an incredible example to to our younger players of what it takes to be a a professional footballer. And I say it isn't all glory and, and what sometimes fans think it is, it's about. Making sacrifices and you're having to do it day in, day out, and so it's a that those guys are a great example to the young players coming through the academy of what it takes to have longevity in your career. But as I say, we're now through to the next round and we'll play Wrexham for whoever tops, whoever tops the table to get the home draw. But yeah, really good. And, and so Jason saves some penalties, and Connor, when he does it, they usually go over the bar. So Jason's obviously the penalty king now.
5: <laughs> um, there was a bit more needle in it than I think maybe people may have thought as well, because there were a few challenges that were flying in and a few players going down. So was that again a bit of a learning curve for some of the younger lads in there who may not have expected that?
6: I think when you're playing against an under-21 team, I'm not sure that when their games are being officiated, they're officiated in the same manner as a football league game. Now, does that then create bad habits for those young players that, when they come against league teams, or when they go on loan to a league club, that the, re- the game is then refereed in a different way? There were some challenges out there tonight from their team, not from our team, which were bordering on reckless, in my opinion. Um, but full credit to our players for not reacting to that and say we, we kept 11 players on the pitch.
5: A word for Jesse Debra as well. He's had a, you know, he's had a trying week. That red card this time last week, but he's got back in the team and he scored you a goal again tonight. And I know you've got great hopes of his potential and what he can become. That will have done him the world of good.
6: Yeah, and so will last year's as well. From a different point of view, a great learning night for him in terms of maybe showing that composure on a on a yellow card and. In his own words, he gave the referee a decision. Uh, although I, I still thought it was it was harsh, but yet yeah, to to get six minutes tonight continues his, his fitness development, and we're asking him to do new things, perhaps what he hasn't done before. And sometimes, as a, as an individual as a team, we won't get them done right, and we'll turn the ball over, and we're trying to build, but that's the route we're going down, we're trying to grow a style and identity, and a consistency how we're trying to play and there'll be oohs and who's from the crowds and some, some things where it doesn't quite come off but that's the route we're going down.
5: Um, just talk us through the James Wilson incident because obviously I know we've talked about strikers and, and whatnot but you did play one tonight and it's sods law that he, that he comes off injured, D- have you got an update even at this early stage as to, as to what that might be?
6: No I, I haven't, um, I think it's a calf and Listen, I hope it's nothing serious. We will obviously like any player, so we'll assess that. But um, yeah, we're now hopefully going into a break from league action and it gives us 10-11 days to continue to work on the fitness of some players and get them back into the group and also give some players a well-deserved rest. Because I think we've done seven games in 21 days now. and a lot of travelling, etc, etc, so it gives a few players a well-deserved rest. Some players will continue to work to build up the fitness uh, and then hopefully by the time next week's games comes around we might have a slightly inflated group.
5: Um, you talked pretty much about Connor Grant and what the extent of that might be. Um, for the people who may not have heard that, just bring us up to date what the situation is with with Connor at the moment.
6: He obviously came off on Saturday's game with, with a calf issue. He, he thought he, he heard a pop, which is never a, a good sign. Um, he, he's had a scan this afternoon. Um, we, we we're awaiting the results of that scan. We don't know yet, but. There's enough concern um, regarding that injury,
5: and, and of course that you know isn't something that could clear up in the next few weeks, depending on the no. severity of it as well. But you know that would tend to make you think that he's one that might not be with you for quite a while.
6: That's the initial reaction from the medical team. Yeah, that um, a week and ten days is not going to. Recover that calf, so it's important that we look at alternative solutions to that position. And Mitch has done very well there tonight. Um, lasted the full game, looked really really strong, and, and making runs toward the end. Uh, and he he converts the, the pressure penalty. So um, yeah, we, we we have to look at alternative things, and and that's all we'll do.
5: Um, Just to mention the the other couple, Ryan Loft and and, and Uchi, because obviously of what's happened to James as well, hopefully that's not too bad. Where are they in terms of their their recovery and and, and fitness at at the moment?
6: Yeah, they're they're doing pitch based work with with the rehab department so that they're continuing to to work and and they will do for the rest of this week. Uh, And then we'll see how how both players are um, next week. But I think Uchi is certainly behind Ryan in terms of coming to the group full-time and being available for, for games
5: and last thing just to finish on the positive because I know we've just talked a few negative things there but to finish on a positive it's another thing for the football club to, to keep going in this competition because while it's got its critics it earns money it gives you a chance of Wembley and you know to be able to get through to the next round it, it generates a little bit of momentum and some cash for you as well
6: yeah it does those two things and it also gives young players a chance to play first in football uh, and, and continue their development uh, and give game time to people perhaps Haven't been selected for for league football, so yeah, for me it's it's a Uh, win-win. You've got to look at it in in a positive way. Um, It's like any game; we prepared in exactly the same way. We we give Newcastle absolute respect. We've got the analysts watching under-21 games, so we've done our full work as we normally would do. And again, our our preparation for for penalties is 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 decent, and and it gets us that extra point, which gets us through to the next stage of competition.
7: Visit our website www.ajwakely.com for more information or call Clive Wakely on 01935 479913.
0: Okay then, so Papa John's trophy all done and dusted. Let's turn our heads to the weekend. But I say that. We actually have one thing that we're going to cover back to everyone's favorite league, the championship. Now, you may well have seen this as it's been very, very uh, famous over the last sort of couple of days. John Eustace, the former Birmingham City manager, has been sacked despite Birmingham City finding themselves in sixth position. John Eustace has done fantastic stuff for Birmingham over the last couple of years, particularly with all the problems going off the field and very much uh, focusing with a very limited budget he'd had a little bit more money this uh, this year thanks to the investment from shelby company limited uh, the americans are headed up by tom Wagner and a minority stake from certain nfl legend tom brady but despite uh, supposedly having extensive conversations between the board and the manager uh, the board have decided to part ways with john eustace as they didn't see an agreement between where the club should be going moving forward Now, what's been a little bit surprising, I think, is actually that surely you should be dictated by whether the manager has been performing quite well. That's my own personal opinion. Uh, It seemed strange given that he'd done such wonderful work when he had no money and when he'd been given some funding had looked rather decent. But nevertheless, football is often a weird change. Now, there were rumours earlier in the week that they were going to talk about actually replacing him with someone that uh, Birmingham City considered more of a bigger name manager. And supposedly they've put it down under the remits of wanting to build a philosophy and a strategy and a direction that aligned with everybody. Well, you can leave it to have your own decisions about whether that has actually taken place. But what we have seen is the start of a new era at Birmingham City that's former Manchester United legend Wayne Rooney. Now, he was most recently seen, even up until as far as last week, in the MLS, managing DC United. DC United are a uh, the Washington DC-based MLS team, unsurprisingly by the name, and just missed out on the MLS playoffs this year. With that, he's decided to part ways and has, some some may argue, actually fallen upwards, as many former legendary players in management often do. I'm not looking at you, Frank Lampard, just saying. Uh, but he has actually now taken the job at Birmingham City, and he did rather impressive stuff in what was a very difficult time at Derby County, for many of us that will remember when he was in charge there, and under DC, also facing rather difficult circumstances. So to get them near the playoffs, overall... Not too bad. Whether he'll be able to continue the momentum seen by Birmingham City over the last couple of weeks, we are yet to see. It'll be exciting to see how potentially uh, son of Adam Stansfield, Jay Stansfield, does under uh, someone who was so prolific as a striker in when he was a player in the form of Rooney, but how, how well he'll be able to build a larger culture. We'll have to wait and see about whether this has been the most appropriate appointment and, more importantly, where John Eustace ends up, as he was actually he was touted for some Premier League jobs as well as the Rangers job in the last couple of weeks. The reason I bring all of this up is actually we've got the first interview of Wayne Rooney as Birmingham City manager right now.
8: I wonder whether Birmingham can match your ambitions and actually equally, after hearing Gary speak, as he did there, whether you can match theirs.
9: Yeah, I think um, for myself, firstly to to get back in, in, into English football is is great. It's obviously what I've, I've wanted to to do, and and to be honest, I've had opportunities over the last four six weeks um, at other clubs as well to to do that. But I think since speaking to to, to Birmingham and seeing the ambitions of the club, where they want to go, where they want to get to, um, excited me um, and. I want to be successful. It's clear that the club want to be successful, and um, everything we spoke about really was was, was very similar. So um, it was a really easy decision once um, I'd spoke to them um, on, on coming into the club, and and really, I'm just really excited to, to get going. Um, happy to be back. A bit jet lag still. Um, I haven't been back for for long. Um, but just excited to get going and, um, and really look forward to the first game because we have got work to do a lot of work um, And my first training, training session today with the players um, which um, it will be a bit different to what they've been used to but um, it's an exciting time and I'm delighted to be a part of that
8: You say jet lagged a little bird told me you were at the training ground before 7 o'clock this morning is that right? That's yeah, I, couldn't, I couldn't sleep that's <laughs> why Really?
9: <laughs> no, yeah, of course and um, it's I think it's important to you know as a as a manager you, you set examples to the staff and and you want to be in and um, you want to be there ready and of course there's a lot of preparation as well to to go into to the job which goes into the job so it's um yeah that's part of the role and um that's something which I've I've always I've always done is getting early and, and make sure all the preparations are
8: right gary specifically didn't mention the, the two words Premier League there um, but he's given you a three and a half year contract which is a, a big show of faith for, for, for any manager let's be honest it's pretty rare these days that managers get a contract of that like, that like the time so what is the goal what's achievable for you in that three and a half years do you think
9: well, that's that's the goal for the club for myself is is to, to get this club back to the Premier League of course it is and, um, and as Gary said I think there's a lot of work to be done um, throughout the football club um, I really enjoy in developing players developing senior players but uh, but more importantly developing young players as well from the academy and uh, we've had two lads training with us today from the academy and straight away wanted them up with training with us because I, I want to see where they are I want to try and develop players as quick as I can and, um, but the Premier League is, is where we want to get to um, it's it's an ambition of, of mine, it's an ambition of, of the clubs, and, and we're we'll putting everything in place to make sure we, we do that in the in the near future.
8: Um, I wonder what you've learned from your coaching role so far at Derby, which was a real baptism of fire, let's be honest, and then the experiences in the MLS as well. Um, unusually for you, you're taking over a team that's doing really well, the six sixth in the Championship, so does that make it easier? Does that make it more difficult? Does it give you more optimism?
9: Yeah, of course, it's more pressure as well, um, which um, I love. I, I, I love... The fact that we're in a good position. Um, I love the challenge. I love the the pressure of it, um, and that's something I've, I've dealt with since I was a young kid. It's Coming through at 16 years of age, and um, so that's not new to me. Um, it, what it might be new to is, is some of the players. So my job is to make sure um, I, I get them ready for that, and 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 really get them ready to go out and, and be successful. So um, yeah, it's. The position we're in, we've got tough games coming up, um, which um, I can't wait to, to go into and um, really just get get the team out on the pitch, um, on the training pitch, get them working um, on how I want them to play, um, but also um, get the mentality, the mindset right to, to really be consistent in this league. It's so important that you're consistent, so um, I'll do everything I can to make sure i do that.
8: Gary, if I can ask you a quick one, please. Um, your statements and the statements of the ownership here have made it very clear that you want Birmingham to be a commercial powerhouse. Do you feel that's the only way to, to compete and to, to, to move forward? You've got Wayne Rooney and Tom Brady in your stable now, two of the most influential and, and famous sports people in the world. Um, as a result of that, can we expect the man sitting alongside you to be given some significant investment in January in particular to try and give that promotion push a, a boost?
7: Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, Rob. You, you know, um, ambition is always determined by how much you're willing to put on the table, right? Um, unfortunately, there are rules and regulations that prevent some of that, and, and you know, they're all well-documented, aren't they? And every, every league in the world is confronting the same challenge. Um, what, what I think we've done, though, is, is built uh, an organisation that is prepared to support the manager. So, uh, you know, be very, very astute in our recruitment process. Um, but, but also, at the same time, ensure that we're building the infrastructure to support the team, uh, the facilities to support the team. And as you've seen, the owners are investing millions in that area. When it comes to uh, the players and the team, uh, that's going to be clearly Wayne and Craig Gardner determining what that should look like. But as you know, Rob, better than anybody, you have to grow your revenues. Um, that's a pre-emptive issue in football. If you don't grow revenues, then you're going to limit your capability to succeed.
8: Ooh, man, thank you, Wayne. Last one from me. Um, one of the most famous images that we have with you is, is as a teenager at, at Goodison Park with that T-shirt. You know which one I'm going to say now, don't you? Once a blue, always a blue. Kind of fits now, doesn't it?
9: yeah i always had this plan so <laughs>
8: <laughs> um, no of course
9: and um, obviously a different club but um and and throughout football players move on managers move on that's that's a normal way of life in football but um yeah i, I can't wait to get started with um um a lot with the blues and um i'm ready i'm committed i'm i'm ready to to take this club forward and excited um by this challenge um, and be back in English football, and back with um, having the fans singing again at the stadium, which is something a bit different I haven't really experienced in the last 18 months. But, um, no, just really happy, excited, um, and looking forward to, to taking the challenge on.
0: Best of luck to Roni there. Of course, he's got a plenty of days before he has to worry about his first match, as it's the international break for all championship clubs this weekend. So we turn our heads to, I said majority, but actually I mean minority, of games taking place in League One this weekend. So the games that have been postponed due to international call-ups include Barnsley versus Bolton Wanderers, Bristol Rovers versus Exeter City, Derby vs Charlton Athletic, Northampton vs Portsmouth, Port Vale v. Fleawood, Wigan v. Peterborough, and Wickham Wanderers vs. Cheltenham Town. So that leaves us three matches. And we start with Blackpool versus Stevenage. Blackpool find themselves in tenth position and taking on impressively uh, the team of Stevenage who find themselves in fourth position. Of course recently promoted Stevenage and very much continued the momentum that took them up last year. Very well done to them. A decent performance and really a match that I still think can go either way. Blackpool have looked really rather dangerous at times this season and Jordan Rhodes has really seemed to have found his shooting boots, which he had been missing for a few years, but we're glad he's got them back down in the EFL. One of my favourite players uh, to have played in the EFL over the last 10 to 15 years without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and Stevenage has easily had equally had some very good players, so we'll see how that one goes. Carlisle United take on Leighton Orient. Carlisle United could really do with the win, as they find themselves one place above the relegation zone so far. Of course, we're still at the stage of the season where three points can do absolutely massive differences to where you see yourself in the table. Although you could be level on points with a few other teams around you, uh, and be at the bottom of that based on goal difference, as I say, a couple of points takes you up six or seven places and suddenly you feel a lot more confident, despite it actually not making a huge deal of difference at this stage of the season. That being said, of course, they'll still want the win. Lane and Orient aren't exactly out of the woods either, as they currently find themselves in 16th place. And the final match taking place in League One this weekend, Lincoln City versus Burton Albion, Lincoln City, Lincoln City Sorry, find themselves in 14th place, a very decent season so far, if, um, if we're all just a little bit inconsistent shall we say, Burton Albion who again started very weakly as they did in previous years at, at League One but have started to pull away from the relegation zone and currently find themselves in 18th place. On to League Two now and the a huge amount of international call-ups isn't quite as considerable here in uh, League two. Just the one that has actually been called off. And that's uh, a game that I think if you looked at all of them, not the one you would have guessed. Morecambe versus Crawley Town. So that still leaves us 11 matches to talk about. And we talk about the lunchtime game, which is a relatively local affair between Notts County and Mansfield Town. Now, Notts County, of course, are table toppers of League two so far this season, but uh, were defeated uh, in the Papa John's trophy in midweek. And they take on Mansfield Town, who have been largely unbeaten this year and had a very decent performance in the Papa John's Trophy themselves. So we will see how this one goes. I think a rather tough affair. First to be fifth and quite a decent one, actually, to be sticking on the telly at lunchtime, I feel. Second but fourth placed AFC Wimbledon are taking on the relatively rejuvenated Bradford City, who find themselves in 14th place. Rejuvenated might be a slight stretch given that they've been without Mark Hughes only for about a week, but Kevin McDonald, in his interim player manager caretaker role, has actually been able to pick up two wins from two. Uh, so we'll be interested to see how that one goes. Crew taking on Tranmere Rovers. Crew find themselves in sixth place, but off the back of a, a rather disappointing result against Wrexham uh, midweek. Uh, and they take on a Tranmere Rovers side who are still on the hunt for their manager with Nigel Adkins still in caretaker charge and are one place above the bottom two a win could do wonders for both teams Doncaster Rovers taking on Sutton United. Now, maybe I used the line of a win could do wonders so for both teams a little bit too prematurely, because it really does apply to Doncaster and Sutton. Sutton, of course, have only won two games this season, but one of those was a seven-nil, and one of those was a five-nil. Most recently, of course, making them pulling them finally off the bottom of the table, but do still find themselves in 23rd place. Doncaster finding themselves in 20th. Forest Green Rovers taking on Colchester United, another two teams that are desperate for a win. This is 21st versus 24th. Grimsby taking on Accrington Stanley. Grimsby find themselves in 18th place, a little bit of a uh, mixed start to the season so far this year for the Mariners. And they taking on Accrington Stanley, who are very squarely in mid-table as they find themselves in 11th. Harrogate Town taking on Stockport County. Now, Harrogate are a team that I really do like. Uh, I obviously have a local connection to them uh, and I've got on very well in previous work with their manager, Simon Weaver. But uh, overall, a fairly decent performance so far. They find themselves in a bit of decent form and find themselves in 15th place in League Two, which is rather good for what is best described as one of the smallest teams in the EFL this year. Stockport County definitely are not in that bracket of small or in a team that are under-delivering, as they currently find themselves in second place. A very slow start for Stockport this season, but they've had many been able to lean on the wonders of Louis Barry this season, has got plenty of goals for them so far, and has put them on a very decent run over the last sort of month or so, and currently find themselves in second place. With that, though, we'll have one more interview for tonight, and it will be with my friend, and as a result, friend of Three Valleys, Simon Weaver. Obviously Stockport
10: coming up, obviously quite a quick turnaround we're playing in midweek. How does that turnaround affect preparation not just for you guys but for the for the players on the pitch as well?
11: Well yeah I mean we we're disappointed first and foremost uh, with the performance the other night. Uh least in any game's disappointing but we made 10 changes to the lineup and gave other people an opportunity ahead of uh, a big game on Saturday which we now turn our attention to. Um should be a big turnout and if it's weather like this it should be great. Yeah, and Stockport as well.
10: You know, one of the form teams in the league. So, how do you go about stopping that, especially with the defensive record we do have in league football?
0: Um,
11: well, obviously we've got to have respect for them because they're a fantastic team, uh, scoring goals and, and playing ever so well. Um, but we've just got to concentrate on ourselves primarily and making sure that we have a continuation and consistency in the way we do things and and fight the fight. You know, sure to be a good atmosphere and. Uh, I believe we can do well. Yeah. And of
10: course, you know, speaking of that defensive record, you mentioned that post match on Tuesday, but how important is that for the players on the pitch? You know, your players are in forward positions knowing that they've got that solid base behind them. Do you think they take maybe more risks in trying to make more things happen in the attack because they have got that solid base behind them?
11: Well, of course. I mean, they've got uh, um, that freedom of expression, you know, um, all the time in terms of the creativity in the final third. Just go and, go and play, go where you want, and, and go and uh, do it without fear of failure um, so they've got to be allowed to have that freedom but behind that yeah we have been a lot more solid. Um, take Tuesday night out of it you know when a lot of people haven't played the many minutes of football I think we've been very sol- solid over the last uh, month and a half.
10: Yeah and obviously you know you say that about Tuesday night but a chance to play at home again on Saturday so how much of your, your message to the players has been about bouncing back and putting on a performance for the supporters as well?
11: Well, they're all professional footballers out here, you know, training and playing on Saturday, so um, it's all our jobs to, to learn from each performance, good or bad, and move on quickly, and we have to press the reset button, um, just as we do the same thing anyway after a win, uh, which last Saturday was a fantastic win away from home, um, great on and off the ball, um, but we have to... Obviously, keep doing it, keep doing the jobs right, and hopefully bring more points up.
10: Yeah, I've sort of spoke about the form of form of stock in recent weeks, but ourselves as well. You know, three wins from four in, in league football. So, is that run coming around at the right time with one of the toughest tests we'll have this season coming up?
11: Well, yeah, it certainly adds a feel-good factor. You know, the lads are, uh, are playing well at the minute. There's good chemistry in the team, um, and it's a good challenge to have on the back of a. You know, a, a decent run ourselves. So, you know, there's there isn't that fear of, uh, of failure, you know, as it can be after five or six different in different performances and results. You know, we can have a go at Stockport and Saturday. You know, with um, not, nothing to lose because you always always want to guard against you know complacency. But you know, yeah, we have to be positive on the front foot and try and make things happen
10: Yeah, and of course, finally, you know. A lot of big players missed out on the win against Newport. Rod McDonald, Levi Sutton, Abraham Odo. None of them made the squad on, on Tuesday night. Are we
11: likely to have them back for Saturday? Probably not. Um, but you never know, another 48 hours. Um, we might have one or two back. We'll have to assess right up until uh, you know, we ran the team sheets in. So we'll say there'll be fitness tests uh,
0: late tomorrow. And with absolutely no biases whatsoever, best of luck to Harrogate this weekend. Milton King's Dons are taking on Barrow. MK Dons have been actually rather disappointing so far this season. A team that many touted to do very, very well this year under Graham Alexander currently find themselves in 16th place. Now, as I've already said, it would be unfair to claim that uh, where they'll end up currently in the table is where they'll end up come in uh, come April, May time, of course. But it is rather disappointing to see them this far down. It, the questions will be asked whether Graham Alexander, uh, how long he will be able to maintain that position and also maintain his job at the same time, will be questioned. Barrow uh, are still very, very impressive and find, currently find themselves in 12th position. A difficult match for Anke Dons, but definitely one they can and are capable of getting the win should they be uh, should they play as they can. Swindon Town taking on Newport County. Swindon Town will be coming off a very, very disappointing 5-0 defeat in midweek to Reading but do find themselves ninth place in the league, only a few points off the playoffs, as are many of the teams reading the top half of League Two one more win and you get back into the top seven, such is how close it is at this early stage of the season. Newport County, however, find themselves in 19th place. I think a lot of people consider them to do really, really awfully, especially when we all saw them in that pre-season friendly against the Mighty Glovers at the beginning of the year, but have looked pretty decent at times this year, including picking off that uh, very decent win against Cheltenham town of course you are a league above them uh, in the Papa John's last week or in in midweek sorry Walsall taking on Gillingham Walsall find themselves in 17th Gillingham in third and finally I think a rather tense affair between two of the biggest spenders in league two this year and we find ourselves between Wrexham and Salford City Wrexham find themselves in seventh position uh, a lot lower than I think many of the bookies put them but about appropriate for those that have been recently promoted out of the National League and have spent in the way they have done. Cheltenham, Cheltenham, sorry, Salford have also spent decently over the last couple of years and this year hasn't quite clicked quite as quickly as it has done in previous years. That being said, they're still doing very, very decently and they find themselves squarely in 13th. So that brings us to the end of this week's EFL preview, a slightly different and shorter one to normal weeks, of course, and that unfortunately is the case when the championship aren't there to play as well. That being said, though, still plenty of matches and inevitably plenty of goals and controversy. Such is the way of the EFL for us to tune into. Of course, make sure you're listening to Three Valleys Radio this Saturday, if you're able to, to tune in to the FA Cup final qualifying round as Yeovil Town take on the newly resurgent South End United, a match that many of us were a little bit concerned may not happen. And we're very pleased to see that Yeovil are able to play the Shrimps uh, due to the, uh, obviously, the recent uh, turnaround in, uh, in financial fortunes for South End. Congratulations to them. But only congratulations to a certain extent, as it'll be great to see how Yeovil performs. In a, in a team that uh, uh, as a team against a league above them to really see whether they uh, to measure the true credentials I think of this Glover's team uh, against a National League side so a very very exciting match and make sure you tune into Three Valleys Radio for unparalleled coverage uh, I know I certainly will be so I'm really looking forward to see how that goes if you're not able to and even if you are I hope you have a lovely weekend thank you very much for listening and goodbye <laughs>